0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Uh, so now we'll hear God's Word this morning from Genesis chapter 18. Um, and Genesis chapter 18 is is interesting. Uh, it's interesting in many ways. This continues. Uh, if you want to know where we've been, we've been going through the whole book of genesis but particularly now for a number of weeks it's really the story of abraham and god's covenant that he made with abraham god choosing abraham to be a family to give him a family which he doesn't really have any children yet that's continues to be a tension in the story but He has promised abraham that he will have numerous descendants and in particular that he will be a blessing to the whole world that is the purpose of choosing abraham to be god's blessing the whole world and right before this chapter god made another covenant with abraham he promised him in the covenant of circumcision he said i will be your god and you will be my people this is uh um and he gave and he he gave them uh he gave them the sign of circumcision as the mark of his covenant that they would be that god would be using them and blessing them forever and ever so he made that covenant with him and part of that was promising him that his son Isaac would be born to be the the heir of this blessing to the nations. So now Genesis chapter 18, many people consider Genesis chapter 18 and 19 to be one story. And they look at this and they say, this is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, You may have heard of Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities that God destroyed in judgment. And so Genesis 18, in some sense, is the beginning of that story. and He does talk about Sodom, but I'm not... You can be grateful. I'm not going to read all of Genesis 18 and 19 in one in one shot. That would be a lot uh, for one thing. Though I might make I might make Alejandro do more in a couple weeks here. We've we talked about a passage coming up for him. But anyhow, um, (laughs) so uh, but I want us to focus this morning just on Genesis 18, because Genesis 18 is not just the introduction to God's destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis chapter 18 is a beautiful picture of the presence of God coming to earth. And it's a beautiful picture of who God is for his people. So as I read Genesis 18, as you think this is weird, it's a lot of it, it's a Genesis, lots of it's weird. So yes, you can think that it's weird, but look deeper than just the weird of it. Look deeper than the questions of what in the world is going on here. Look deeper to see who is this God? Who is the God that comes to Abraham? Who is the God that comes to us this morning? So this is Genesis chapter 18. I'll be reading the whole chapter. And the Lord appeared to him, that's to Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, "O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servants. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, while I bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah, and said, Quick, three sea of fine flour, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man, who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk in the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. Then the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done all together according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. Will you destroy destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way. When he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that was written down, but we thank you that this happened. We thank you that you came and spoke with Abraham. We pray now that as we reflect on this word together, this word that was written down and preserved for us, that we would know your presence this morning. That this word would not merely be a matter of questions or a matter of information, but it would be transformation for our hearts. That it would change the way that we think, the way that we feel, and the way that we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So about two weeks ago, um, the, the Brack family replaced our car my beloved Toyota Corolla that I had had for 17 years and I loved it for 160,000 miles and it was blue and it drove great and it had no hubcaps and it had very little electrical system. Uh, the radio was shot, everything was shot. The lights didn't hardly work. So in, in losing it to the insurance company, uh, after they totaled it, um, uh, we thought, well, we're going to replace this and nothing can replace this, but maybe at least we'll get a car. Maybe things will work. Like it'll have power windows and a working radio and that kind of thing so we look around for cars and lo and behold we find a blue honda accord just a little bit bigger than the corolla 2007 with 160,000 miles and i go to the dealer and i ask for it i'm like hey anything wrong with this car And he says oh no it drives great uh, the radio doesn't work so of course i buy yet another car with a not working radio well nathan here uh, drives this car a fair amount and he would like the radio to work so he has been trying, he'd also like the lights on the dashboard to work. So he has been trying to fix these things. And let me tell you that trying to fix a car is challenging. And you go and you look on the internet and you look for the instructions and you look for the books and you look at the videos and you're looking at the book and the video and you're just looking at your car and you're saying, does this match this? If we buy this new radio, will it fit in there? If I pull this out, will I be able to put it back? And you read the forums and you read the instructions and you're like it just feels so so distant so distant you wish that you could just know for sure and when we come when it comes to religion when it comes to matters of god and spirituality so often it feels like god is distant it feels like we're trying to figure things out from just the words maybe we have some videos, maybe some people have done something like this before, and we've got some words. Even we can look, we can look at the Bible sometimes and think of it's words, but they feel so distant, as if it was just dropped down from heaven, and we now have to figure out what to do with it, but it feels distant and far off. But when we actually look at what these words say, and especially when we look here at Genesis chapter 18, what we see is The amazing thing about God that we see here this morning, we get past the questions and the confusion, is that God has come near. And that God comes to relate to his people. That is the beauty of Genesis chapter 18. God actually came and talked with Abraham. Now, we hear a lot, we see a lot in the Bible of like, oh God, you know, the Lord said this and the Lord said that and the Lord said to Abraham. And you're like, well, but how? How? Like was this a dream was it a vision was it just something he knew was this a prophet was it an angel like how but when we look here at genesis chapter 18 it really looks like god came in a very very real way and you see that in a couple of ways when it says the lord appeared i mean the lord appeared to him verse one he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold three men were standing in front of him it's a very tangible appearance of the lord and the way that Abraham responds to them in verse three, he says, he bow, he runs to him. Now, keep mind, Abraham's, Abraham's like an important guy. He's an important guy in this land. And he gets up and he runs and he bows. Now there's, there's Middle Eastern hospitality and all, but this is this is a little bit beyond, right? And he says, oh Lord, like God. He recognizes it. That's how he would address God as oh Lord. He is recognizing that God himself is, has come. And then at the end, kind of in the second half, so the men go, they leave. You know, we've got this interaction. They're speaking back and forth very much as if it is God himself just standing there as, as a man. And it's fascinating. The men turned from there and went towards Sodom. This is verse 22. But Abraham still stood before the Lord as if Somebody else is still standing there. And if you look on just a little bit ahead to 19, verse 1, it says the two, the two angels came to Sodom. So in 18, three men appear. In 191, two angels go to Sodom, which sure makes it sound like the third one is the Lord standing there, person to person, talking with Abraham. So, what does that mean for us? What is the significance? of those details to say that God came and spoke to Abraham. You know, in a human in a human form. What was it? We don't we don't know exactly, right? But it was very real and it was very personal because God came to Abraham in personal relationship. And it's fascinating that he did this because a lot of the things that he said, he didn't need to do this. He didn't need to come and talk to Abraham. The thing about Isaac Abraham already knew that. He'd already been promised that in a vision, multiple times in fact. Does does God need to tell Abraham what's gonna happen to Sodom? He doesn't need to do that, he's God. But God chose to come down and come near. Why? Because that's who he is. The beauty of Genesis chapter 18 is that our God wants to relate to his people. Our God is not just wanting to be there controlling the world from a distance. He is not wanting to sprinkle down instructions for us to try to figure out. He is not just wanting to leave hints of himself throughout the world. Our God wants to relate to his people. He came in personal form to relate to Abraham and he comes to relate to us in a person to person relationship. So what do we do with that? That's what I wrestled with as I've read through Genesis 18 this week. Is what, what is our response? It's like, okay, that's nice. What does Abraham do when God comes to relate to him? What we see Abraham doing is taking the way that God has related to him, and he extends that blessing to others. What's happening in Genesis chapter 18? God reveals himself in relationship, in personal, close relationship with Abraham. And Abraham is carrying out his mission to be a blessing. To the world, he demonstrates God's image and blessing in the hospitality he extends to the strangers. Now, yes, he's recognizing, and it, it seems at least in a large way, he is recognizing God himself there, but he's also demonstrating great welcoming hospitality in the, the length to which he goes that the text records in detail about the flour and the calf and the goodness of the calf and the curds and milk. He prepares a feast. And he also extends God's blessing in his intercession for Sodom, in his begging God to relent if he can find just a few righteous people there in Sodom. This is Abraham acting as blessing to the world. So Genesis 18 shows us that God comes to relate to his people in a real and personal way. And that in response to that, we extend his blessing to the world. We extend that in our relationships with people, in our hospitality, in our prayers for them, in our seeking goodness and justice and righteousness in the world. So to to grab hold of that more deeply, to dig in further, we can see three specific ways, very briefly, that God comes to relate to his people. He relates to them in promise, he relates to them in friendship, and he relates to them in justice. Promise and friendship and justice under the big idea that God comes to relate to his people so first i mentioned this briefly already but to say it again the promise we see this in verse uh nope where do we go uh verse 10. we see this in verse 10. the lord said i will surely return to you about this time next year and sarah your wife shall have a son now what's the significance here the significance is that this is a known fact this was said in the previous chapter already. That was part, a fundamental part of the covenant of circumcision. Last week in Genesis chapter 17, that God said to Abraham, you'll be a great nation. And Abraham said, I don't have a child. How about you use Ishmael, this substitute child that we tried to make happen. Um, and God said, no, I'm going to give you a son, Isaac. He even named him. And Abraham laughed, but he, but he knew, like he had heard, and even back in Genesis chapter 15, God had promised him descendants, as many as the sand on the seashore, as the stars in the sky. This is a known promise that Sarah is going to have a son. And yet, even though it has been promised multiple times, God comes in person to repeat the promise again. To say, here you go. And so this, this is this is the, the beauty of God's grace that he does not judge his people. He does not condemn his people for their doubt and their uncertainty, but instead he comes himself. Why did, you know, when he said this, a lot of people see this as part of the story of Sodom because that's where it ends up. But fundamentally, why did God come to Abraham? The first reason he came was to reaffirm this promise. This was the first thing that God said. It was on the way out that he started talking about Sodom, but he came and he came into Abraham's tent and he ate with him to say, you will have a son. Yes, Sarah, you, even you who are laughing, I hear you. We're having a conversation. I didn't laugh. Yes, you did laugh. Like, God's right there knowing what's going on. But he does not condemn. He does not withdraw. He comes in person to make his promise. And this is, this is the beauty. It's, this is in Genesis chapter 18. Where does God's promise come in person for us? This is, this is the meaning of Jesus. Jesus came to make God's promise come in person. Could God have worked out our salvation and the forgiveness of sins some other way by some divine decree far off from heaven? Just check this box, have this faith and your sins are forgiven, sure. But that's not who God is. God came in person, in the person of Jesus that all of us could experience this relationship that Abraham had with God. He came to show up. He came to experience. He came to relate. He came in person. So God comes to make his promises real. So what is, for us this morning, when we doubt, when we doubt the promises of God, we may not have a promise specific of the promise of Abraham for a son, Isaac, but we have the promise of God that he will be with us, that he will care for us, that he will bless us, that he will give us all that we need. And we doubt those promises. We doubt what is going on in the world. We said, God, you came. You came in person, in Jesus, to relate personally, to guarantee your promises in person. And we can be strengthened in belief. He comes in promise. He comes to relate in friendship. Why did he tell Abraham about Sodom? Look at verse 17. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham uh, shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him. Why did God come to Abraham? Why did he tell him about Sodom? As a friend, to tell him what is going on. Jesus actually echoes this in John chapter 15, verse 15, when he's talking with his disciples in the upper room, the night that he was betrayed, his last night with them. He says, I no longer call you servants, but I have called you friends. For a servant does not know his master's business, but everything that I have known from the Father I have made known to you. Abraham is the friend of God. God tells him what is going on. God explains things to him. And Jesus extends that to his disciples and through them to all of us to say we too can be a friend of God. God, For God to give us his own mind. Not every piece of it. He's still God, we're still man. We still see the separation here. Abraham is very respectful towards God. This is no, it's not quite a casual friendship. It's a real relationship. But Abraham knows his place. There are some things that remain hidden in the mind of God. But much of it God has revealed to us in friendship. That we may know the plan of God, that we do not just have abstract things to do, that we might be saved, that we might have eternal life. But he has explained it. He has said Jesus came. Jesus has made it known to us. He said, I am coming to die for your sins, that your sins may be forgiven, that I have done nothing wrong, but I will take that punishment on myself. And I will rise again in three days to declare victory. And that by faith in me, you will have a home with the Father forever. And you will have eternal life right now on this earth God comes to relate to us in friendship. When God feels distant, when God feels far off, When God feels hard to understand, remember that God has come to you in friendship. That God sees He wants the best for you. He is not standing opposed to you, trying to get you to do things that are not good for you. He has come and explained to you that yes, you are suffering now. You are going through the valley now. But that the way of suffering in this life is the way of Jesus. And there is no other way To go through life with Jesus except through a valley of suffering. That only through suffering comes glory. That was the way of Jesus. That is the way for the followers of Jesus. So when you suffer, when you're distant, know that God is with you in friendship. He's come to relate to his people. Finally, he comes to relate to his people in justice. This is the theme of the end of Abraham interceding for Sodom, his negotiation. He's got great negotiation skills. He starts 50 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. Like, really? Like, this is is all recorded, but what is the theme? The theme of this is justice. This is Abraham's appeal to God. It says, Will not the judge of all the earth do what is just? He is reminding God of his own character and justice. Because when God relates to us, this is a fundamental part of who he is. He is a God of justice. See, we can see things like the destruction of Sodom as as a natural disaster, as something that should be avoided, something that should be kept off. But here, God says that the destruction of Sodom is an act of justice. Sodom, as we will see next chapter, is a wicked place. And when there is wickedness happening, it is not abstract. There are people that are getting hurt. There are people that are being abused. Sodom must go. For the sake of those who are being abused and hurt. So when you see evil in this world, when you see wickedness, when you see people being hurt, when you see people being taken advantage of, you can know that God is not silent, that God is just. We won't always understand exactly how his justice works out, but we know that we can cry out to God about his justice. We have a relationship with him, just as Abraham said. Abraham said, will you spare the city for the righteous? I'm trying to bless the city for the sake of the righteous there. Not necessarily the perfectly righteous, just like the reasonably good who are not doing uh, wickedness. God didn't find them. But Abraham was pleading for them. He was appealing to justice. Again, we go to the New Testament. Jesus tells a story and in, in telling us to persevere in prayer. He tells us about a persistent widow who goes to the judge over and over, asking for justice. And he says there again, will not the judge of all the earth do right? So when God comes to relate to us, there is justice. And so we cry out to them for that. We we are told, we are commanded to say, God, will you judge rightly? Will you take care of the evil in this world? Will you give me justice? And when that turns around to us and we say, Lord, I now feel... I now feel that justice is opposed to me. He says, but I have mercy. He comes to us in mercy for the sake of his son, Jesus. So we can cry for his justice to be made right in the world, knowing that the justice directed towards us, the punishment due to us was given to Jesus, and that Jesus took that on so that we may be spared, that we do not face the wrath of God for the things that we have done wrong. But we know that in that He is not just letting us continue in doing wrong. He is making us to do what is right. So those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, who are following him, are being changed and transformed. And so we cry out to God, yes, forgive sin. Yes, spare your wrath on people, but turn them around. Bring justice in this world. We cry out to God to make good on his promises to make good on his relationship with us, his friendship with us, to tell it, show us what is going on in the valley. We cry out to God to make good in his justice, knowing that God came in person. God came in person to Abraham. God came in person to, with Jesus, that we may know him personally. How, but he's not here. How can we know? We've talked about the Father. We've talked about the Son. It is the Holy Spirit that makes Jesus known to us in person even as we come to this table in a moment to taste and feel and know God's love for us. By the power of the Holy Spirit, may you feel the relationship of God with you today. Let's pray. Father, would you, thank, would you take this word and sink it deep into our heart that we may know your love for us, that we may know your personal relationship to us. We thank you that you did not remain far off, but that you come to relate to us May we take that and may we extend your blessing to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.